seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You Cafe. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I wanted to hear from you listeners on last week's question and discussion. Last week's podcast when Adrian and I discussed the topic, what is our role in life? We received a number of responses that further deepened dialogue. Joining us today on the Get to Know You Cafe is Leanne from next Tuesday's podcast. Welcome, Leanne. Hello, Tiffany. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for coming back again. You're welcome. (laughs) Earlier, you were given the topic from last week's podcast to reflect, and you've also listened to the podcast yourself. Prior to listening to the different responses, what are your thoughts on the topic or the discussion? Um, I found it a really interesting topic and the dis- and the places that the discussion went to really I was really surprised and, and really enjoyed how it went off into unpacking so many different areas of of our life basically. Um, it didn't stay just on topic of my presumption when I read the title of, of the podcast was that it was going to be more around the defined roles that we take on either in family dynamic or work roles, but it just became such a diverse conversation, so I really enjoyed it. Oh, fantastic. Did anything in particular stand out to you? Yes, um, quite a few things resonated um, that your guest spoke about. It was that need for connection and identifying where that cropped up in relation to the roles and different things to do with life. And it, it set me off. I was sort of just taking a few notes as I was listening to it and I was quite intrigued about the looking at comparison and value and our intrinsic worth sort of balanced against meeting our needs and our intellectual needs. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. I was very surprised myself on like where we kind of went with the where we went with the conversation. It's very interesting how you know, this is not the first time I've heard this, but when you see a title or a question, you think it will go into one direction but then it goes into something else. You're like, Oh, I didn't you know, I didn't think it would I didn't think you'd these yeah. things would be brought up. Yeah, that was very. It really lends itself to what your podcast is about: is getting to know people. Is you start to see that that diversity in personal view and that their perspective takes things in in all different ways, both That's on right. language and on context. Yeah, it's really exactly. interesting. Like everyone's like a question to everyone brings up different things in their mind. So like, yeah, yeah. with another, if I'm, I'm sure if I did it with somebody else, the whole conversation will be you know another different direction. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So now we'll actually be able to hear some of the responses from some people and how this um, uh, question made them think. So the first mm-hmm. response is from Ben from Tasmania. He's in Hobart. <laughs> he said he's that in my island state. He's on your island right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he said that it was very thought provoking, and he's like, "I like to think we can find meaning in every moment." So that kind of made me think, should we be finding meaning in every moment or look for meaning in every moment? I, I really like that because 
that was kind of when I boil a lot of these sort of big questions down is that comes down to the moment over and over again and, and just being present with if we're not present with the moment, we're kind of either in the past or the future and, and that that isn't it isn't connected to self or to what's going on. So I, I yeah, I really like Ben's observation about finding meaning in the moment. Yeah. Hmm. Because I was thinking like, you know, a lot of people, you know, you have the other where we were discussing in the podcast too where where a lot of people would say that there is no, you know, there's no meaning, there's no purpose. We don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that maybe we shouldn't be finding a meaning, or like, yeah. is that is that something that's detrimental to us if we sit there trying to like find? A, we have to have a meaning or a reason for every single, you know, for every moment. Yeah, it reminds me of one of my favourite sayings, and one of the things that I remind myself of, of when I because I can be, my mind is a bit of a hungry beast, and it likes to understand things, and it really seeks to live inside the question is. I often remind myself that there is no meaning and the meaning in life is for us to find the meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of like a, 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 um, a mind cone is it's there is no meaning to it. That's that's what the whole journey is about is it's just such um, a personal experience that it's up to us to just find what makes that connection to the fabric of our day. Sure. So I guess it's very individualized mm. and like, you know, if you need to like, I guess, find meaning in in the moment, in that day that will enrich your life, then do that. Mm. And for some, mm. it's not and, necessary. And question, yeah, for some, I, I often, because I have a, a diverse mix of friends and um, family background and within the island state, you know, the, there's still a lot of really um, – traditional models of, you know, um, farm-type people or people that are connected with the land and the seasons and quite uh, a ritualistic pattern of living. Um, so, for example, a dairy farmer where there's there's a ritual and a process to their day is I find they're some of the happiest people because it's in that simplicity and that connection to what they're doing that there seems a real meaningful purpose and I, I, I often think that it's quite curious that we forget that we are still an animal body at the end of the day and that the animal body needs it it likes pro it likes the rhythm of the seasons and the cycle of the days and just working within that natural order of things and i think in that there's quite a lot of meaning and and purpose sure sure absolutely absolutely i see that like it's like you know like you're saying it's in the simple things and and make Mm. gives i guess are you trying to say like it's more like gives you clarity on the bigger picture yeah, I often wonder if is is uh, something that really came to mind when I was listening to your conversation uh, in that podcast episode was in in once our basic needs are met, which for the vast majority of us in you know the developed world is our basic needs are taken care of. So it's almost like that we have too much time on our hands. Is yes, we're very busy with jobs and. Um, you know, we've got mortgages to pay for and, and keeping ourselves housed and food. But really by comparison to where it's hand-to-mouth existence or hunter-gatherer type living is our basic needs are within reason for most of us are met. And sometimes that can be a bit of a burden because it leaves the intellect too much time yeah. to search for meaning and always looking for this meaningful um, external 
manifestation of you know what makes us happy and you touched on that with you know cars and 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 achieving goals and things that are outside of self um i was fascinated too to hear mentioned the study of looking at mindfulness and the outcomes and success of that feeling beneficial to um an american focus group as opposed to a japanese one that was a very and, interesting article, yeah. Yeah, and I have a theory on that. It's only my personal view. Sure, because share that. I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of contemplative practice in the last four to five years, and I've studied a lot of, um, of the different uh, mystics and Sufi and Tao and Buddhism. So I, I've I've looked at a lot of this. What was predated the mindfulness industry? I have some concerns about the fact that it's become another thing that we can measure up how well we're doing our meditation. So it's sort <laughs> of another thing we have to achieve. And it, that led me to thinking about is um, I have um, a friend that is Japanese and I have a, quite an interest in Japan. So I've, I've watched a lot of things about um, the depth of their culture and some of their ancient um, crafts and artisans that have you know, they're doing the same pottery method that they've had for 600 years or they're creating an ink or a dye that's been around for 1,200 years. They have such a depth of history, but they also have a culture where they have to work their whole lives. There's no, you know, they don't get holiday pay and leave and sickness benefits mm. and they have a very much that they have a very connected life and, and, a, and a good life, but they also have a very difficult life by comparison to us. So I'm wondering if because the bulk of their existence is taken up with that need to exist is when they practice the mindfulness things and those things it actually really gives them a sense of something that's that's balancing out the spiritual half of their life whereas for westerners it it can be i know this is this is very much just a quite a overview and a broad <laughs> um I can't think of the word, but I'm making a big assumption about a lot of people. It's not for everyone, but I'm just wondering as Westerners when we tend to do the mindfulness thing, it becomes almost like another thing that we're trying to achieve and it's outside of ourselves, which is actually not the purpose of mindfulness. Sure, sure. I see <laughs> so that it's theory. like it's... it becomes another, it's another thing, yeah. That requires an outcome. So it's, just, it's just interesting. Like, it feels it, like, yeah, yeah exactly, It's a, yeah. Yeah, whereas I'm just wondering if because with a different culture and more time spent just to survive and to have a life is that they actually really touch into the deeper meaning of what that what mindful practice is about. Sure. Yeah. So like it's more like embedded in a lifestyle where here's here, it's to like achieve something, maybe so? Like is that yeah. kind of where you're kind yeah. of going with that? Yeah. And I think that's where the – I don't know if – when I've looked at these sorts of things and it, and it comes into the questions about roles is I feel like a lot of the time what we're searching for and striving and seeking in all of the different roles, whether it be, you know, that we're a daughter or we're a partner or a sister or the job we have, it's like there's always some kind of sense running us that we're actually don't have intrinsic worth and that we're okay and we're enough. So it's like there's always going to be this externalisation of actually just self-acceptance and that we're okay. Sure. So I feel like that some of that, that is around if you can just actually realise what you're seeking is already within you, mm -hmm. you can start to emanate from that place rather than for seeking it from outside to fill up 
inside. Yeah. It's like we're working around the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their yeah. perspective and going about it is different. That's very interesting. Yeah, mm. I kind of agree with a lot of the points there. Now we're moving on to response two. This is from Isabel from Singapore. Love this episode. Thank you for dealing with this topic with such rawness and vulnerability. Got me self-reflecting at 2 a.m. The reason why it made me self-reflect, <laughs> I think, as I'm working towards my goal, for the past year, I've been struggling to make sure I do not place my identity in my job so much that nothing else mattered or achieving a certain role or status that nothing else mattered. Awareness is one thing. Doing it is another. Having habits entrenched in you that that you are that are really hard to change. That's when accountability comes in. That's when you not only hold yourself accountable, but also with others, call them, and that you know you also help in guiding in yourself, but also like they're helping in directing you as well. So like I guess you know when you have such close true friends, they help you see the brighter side of things or are honest with you. So that podcast got me thinking how I psych myself out and how much my life depended on this one goal. And I think the reason it psychs me out so much, I realized how much weight and purpose I put on my career. I sat down on my on my bed after the podcast and wrote down advice or encouragement I would say to other people when they are going through the same thing as I am, which in turn is advice for myself. Thank you for that. What are your thoughts mm. on after listening to this response? Yeah. Yes, um, I've had a shift of the, of the thoughts around. Like, I did up until quite recently think that with awareness, you then had to use that to to address and change things. So as you became, of, when she's mentioned that she sees things that she's repeating or sabotaging herself over, of then actually how to address that and fix it, is is. There's there's validity in that, in, in especially when it's just to actually really look in depth at what you think the issue is or what might be going on. I now have a theory that the awareness itself is enough is is because the fact that you become aware of there might be some things that aren't working for you or they're not benefiting you or you have friends that have pointed out that they see a pattern of behaviour where you end up in the same place again is it's just through that awareness and being kind and accepting that that you have come up with coping strategies throughout your life that have got you to that point in time and that they've served you well because there you are in your current adult life but then just sitting with the gentle kindness of is that serving me now and it's in that that you have choice and I always feel like you, you you can't do what you don't know but then once you're aware of things is is in every moment that you find yourself in another choice at work or around that goal that she had, it's in it's in just being aware of the patterns of repetitive things that you do is you have a choice in that moment. Sure. So I feel like the, the gently, gently approach with these sorts of things can be really helpful, especially especially in the context of what she's talking about is when you when you have a um, an energy system where you're really driven to achieve things you can then actually end up using that same inner critic to judge yourself because you aren't do that the achievement thing is a problem so there's something else that you're not good at so it's almost count the ways that the inner critic can criticize you mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely I like how you yeah. like um, yeah analyze that that was uh, very interesting yeah i was like you know i guess a lot of us you know, when, when this is very common, I guess, like when you put all your energy and all your focus on one thing, like this, like I guess what we're talking about in the podcast, it could be like damaging 
like it could be, mm. you know, hinder you or deprive you from finding true meaning. So like, like I was thinking, like if we set on a goal and don't reevaluate, are we like depriving ourselves from finding meaning or can it be dangerous? Mm. Yeah. Well, there was something that came up in that podcast where you mentioned that when you find like you feel a lot of purpose around what you're doing and that you've found this thing that you want to do for your life and he questioned you on that. Is you, is he said that you don't think you'll ever change around that and I, I was really interested to in, in listening to your response to that. So unpacking that one a bit further now that you've had this question is do you do you feel that that you do need to be aware that we are constantly evolving and adapting and changing and then of course we're only 50% of the equation is our life is relative is so there's 50% of what's happening is outside of us so do you feel that you do need to be constantly you know just evaluating that you may have changed and your needs may change sure I guess like where I was kind of you know when I was re- uh, responding to what he was saying I was more thinking about like I guess I know I understand the importance of this for me like you know meaningful conversation I will take throughout my life but I think it mm. will change in a respect to other things will also be added or taken yes. out but this one thing yeah. I think will stay with me like I don't it, I guess mm. it's such a like it's not an outcome it's it's a, a lifestyle no, it sounds like you've identified a value it's one of your yeah values. it's a, a key so value for me different forms exactly mm. exactly so mm. i think that's that's where I, I but like if i look at the past 10 years i have changed my goals and things like mm. i think i've been like honing in more onto you know what is the simplest thing that i do need and that i want throughout my lifestyle and that was meaningful conversation that mm. to me is it something it sounds to me too like the question from your listener that came in from singapore that it, it sounds like the conversation has done exactly what great conversations do is she sat down and pondered what what is the underpinning scaffolding underneath that behaviour in herself. And I think when you ask those sorts of your qu- questions of yourself and observe them over a longer period of time, you start to uncover your values and your own what really, and that's where I feel personally your meaning in life comes in, is if you know what your rudder is, if you know what that central self what matters to that central self and and makes you tick and what basically gives you that warm feeling inside is is that becomes your central thing that you can come back to irrespective of what other external roles you're taking on and I do feel that that changes it is you if if you're growing and adapting it should change and and change because you have different experiences and you're a different age sure how how have things changed Mm. say for you in maybe the last what five years or ten years in your goals and uh, what yeah, you re- decide to... Well, actually, it was it was curious that you invited me onto the cafe session around that particular question because roles has been... That would be the biggest thing that has changed for me in the last five years is I'm quite happy to discuss my age. I'm now 52 mm-hmm. and the mum of, of... I had one child, so he is a lovely independent young man now living a long way away from me and, you know, career and um, lovely girlfriend and a family and... I know he won't mind me saying those bits about him, but, you know, dealing with empty nest and um, my career did disappear through ill health. So that's when I actually realised that my identity was very much my roles, is I thought I was my job and my role as a mother and wife. And then when those roles start to shift and change, as they do naturally with ageing and life circumstances that come along either through health or underemployment or you know empty nest strikes most people 
is quite often we, we can be quite caught off guard by how much uh, our sense of identity is actually defined what the fabric of our day is um, and if that's taken away and you haven't prepared yourself for the for the gap that it leaves is it really um, it can be very very challenging but where even if things are difficult I always like to think is even in the darkness the the cracks are where the light gets in so there might be some really difficult and challenging dark periods in those transitions but if, if you continue to grow and be willing to just actually observe and look at, at what's not working for you, then it, it really is a lot of self-responsibility comes in to start to realise that there is a beautiful connection to community and friends and family, but at the end of the day you have to take responsibility for understanding yourself mm-hmm. and reaching a place of self-acceptance. I find that's the biggest thing is I can only do me and you can only do you. That's right. <laughs> and she'd be a boring old world if it wasn't just Tiffany and Leanne actually working out, well, what, what lights us up, what, <laughs> what brings us joy. And I just feel like it, we're all meant to be weaving our own little stitch of the tapestry. That's right. And um, like the more you can done. align with that, yeah, and, and just not being defined. I Often with the roles we can find that we're acting quite con- in quite a conditioned way to keep playing out a scenario. And just sometimes when those things are stripped away, you start to realise, oh, that was a wonderful chapter, but what am I without that? Mm. And, you know, I certainly don't want to be one of, you know, a parent that that he isn't an extension of me. There's a beautiful um, book, The Prophet by Khalil Gilbran, and he has beautiful sections in it and he talks about children. They are through you that they are not of you. Like they're not yours. They belong to the future. And I, I often revisit those thoughts around those things, yeah. Yeah, that's really beautifully beautifully said there. Like, like, yeah, exactly. You have a point. Like, you know, I, I don't. You know, I guess you have to be open to having. Okay, once this goal or this this identity or this how I see myself at this period of time, be open that like I guess humans naturally need change and will have change. So be open to that role evolving into something else. Mm. don't hold on to it like mm. we guess we we, we like want to hold on and attach to it with many things like you know not just that your identity with certain things and then with and then attachment to people like you know also saying yes. like this codependency that you can have i think a lot of parents do have with their children in yeah. many cases yep. Yeah. yeah, I think too is is I feel like often we we inherit a lot of um, cultural conditioning that is from a time that is long gone. Mm. So you know a lot of a lot of time conditioning is from you know an industrial era that that people grew up in. Um, and my parents' generation came out of they were raised by Great Depression parents, and so mm-hmm. there's a, a real fear based living model where they have known lack. And so then they, you know, got to live in the amazing 50s, 60s and 70s where there's just so much, you know, really good lifestyle and, and wonderful um, prosperity, but they maintained that fear of lack. And, it, and I, I find that young people, and I'm, I have always tried to live this way, is we are more global now and collective living. Um, and I feel that's the other thing that's very different culturally between East and West is that I feel like as Westerners from the minute we're born, we're being groomed to be kicked out of the nest and, indivi- you know, be individuals <laughs> and think of the individual 
right down to all of our obsession with the self and self-worth and self-growth and analysing <laughs> ourselves, whereas the other model is, you know, Chinese families and uh, this, is, again, is a very gen- much generalisation. There's exceptions sure. to this. But as a culture, um, in Asian culture, is it's from the minute they're born, they're brought into the collective to think of the whole and the family and yes. to come in to the, into, um, you know, they're part of a whole thing. And I find that very interesting to observe uh, is um, I feel that there's a shift now in, in my field. Uh, I observe my parents as opposed to how I think is, is I, I want to live more collectively and globally and we're all on the one planet and a different model to a very adversarial and territorial ownership kind of basis as being sure. more custodial and sharing yeah yeah absolutely I, yeah i can obviously relate with that like you know the egyptian culture is the same it's like stay with your family stay with your family i think the indian mm. culture too and i think a lot of the spanish culture living in here they're like people live with their parents till they're like in their 40s mm. or 50s even you know yeah. so it's such a and it's interesting like obviously i'm born and raised in australia how it's not like that it's like oh you're you know a lot of people are like oh i'm 18 now i'm leaving home all their parents are like, yes, yeah. go venture out. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, I was I talking found to that a friend the other day who's in my age group and he was saying that, that when he voiced to his parents that, I don't know, he was 20 or something, that he was moving out, they said, well, if you go, you don't come back. We're changing the locks. <laughs> and it was just like, it was like, oh, just a, I can't imagine that you just never welcome back home because you moved out. Like a, yeah, yeah, but, but then I hear of people saying, oh, you know, we don't want the, the empty nest children to come back home is we've turned your room into a gym. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I just, like most things, is I don't think either polarity is the answer. Is no. I'd like to feel like there's somewhere in the middle is wouldn't it be lovely to live where you just that's always a, a, um, a conversation and communication yeah. and navigation between we. I'd love to have a nuclear family where, you know, you might have three generations living in a house if that worked for them. Like sure. It, it's just not one size fits all. But, yeah, no. it's all fascinating stuff to unpack <laughs> the roles and where we fit in. Exactly. That is very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so moving on to our third response. This is mm-hmm. from Yami from Aranjuez in Spain. In listening to this podcast, I have realised my life goal is happiness. The rest I view as short-term goals. Even when one of the so-called short-term goals lasts years, at the end of the day, when it is completed, I just find a new goal. I guess I see these goals as checkpoints of my life. Having just one goal can be crushing when you are still in your early 20s and see so much life ahead. I really agree with the guest speaker on how our goals change depending on what stage of life we are. I've noticed that my goals shift at least every five-ish years. My goals end up changing with what I view as being a priority in my life at that moment. Mm. Yeah. It was interesting how, like, I, I when hearing this response, is like, okay, it, you know, again, I guess this um, listener really did this kind of something similar with what I did. Like, you made it really simple. What is, what is, like, you know, for me, it's meaningful conversation. For her, it's like, I just want to be content. I just want to be happy. That is my. Yeah. You know, it's like the simplicity of it. Find the simplicity, mate, you know? Yes, yeah, yes. And I think that's the thing. That's where it's just it's such, an, such a personal thing. So I, there's a lovely saying is, you know, what's, garden, what's meditation for someone is gardening for someone else. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's that exploration of 
if it's natural that as we're raised and then our life happens to us, there's school and jobs and all the things that happens, is there's layer upon layer of conditioning and fitting in and playing the game so that, that I mean, that's, that's what a primate does is we, we fit into that social fabric and it's not a safe thing to be different and too out there. But then as you go through life, this I, I like the theory of first half of life, second half of life. It's like the first half of life is to establish that network and a sense of self and where you fit into the world. But then once you've defined that and taken care of your basic needs of shelter and how you sustain yourself in this life with those everyday needs, is then you have some time to reflect on, well, second half of life is is who am I and what what am I bringing to the to the this picture and diverse mix that is something that is a is a blend of all the things that I've experienced and then giving back so that we've got this full kaleidoscope of of personalities and talents and skills to make it a dynamic and interesting world. Um, I have where my stitch in the tapestry thought came from is. I like the thought of we're down here underneath looking up at the underneath of yeah. the tapestry and it's all crisscross knots and joins and it doesn't really actually make a lot of sense down here because we're sort of so busy getting on with the day-to-day of it. But from up above, it's the most beautiful tapestry that's being woven. And we're, we're only half the equation down here, you know, the little ants in the colony right. wandering away. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, yeah, I think our, I, for me personal meaning is to understand and remove the sedimentary layers of what life has layered on top of me mm. to rediscover my intrinsic self that I was when I, what I would have evolved into without all the layers of society and family conditioning that 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 kind of narrow you down and knock the edges off to get slot you into the hole that you've got to fit into. That's right. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, I like that. Like that stuck with me as well. Like I, I remember someone showing, telling me about this a tapestry and how you know when you look mm. up because you when you see them underneath, it's like oh this makes no sense. And then when you look at it from the top, it's like oh it's a beautiful picture. Mm. That's something I, I heard when I, years ago when I was younger, and like like I, like I always bring it up to memory. Like you know a few times a year, whenever like I'm mm. in a situation, you're like you know what, you know I can't see the bigger yeah. picture right now. Even the though other, I'm in this the situation. other analogy I really like for this sort of thing is like your friend Yanni mentions that to, to be happy and to find that that peace, and you've you've identified that conversation and meaningful conversation like this is what gives your life meaning and purpose. Is I, the other thing I like to think of is resonance. So if you listen to beautiful piece of music, what is that that's coming together that just really strikes? something deep in in your heart or your chest space if it just really resonates with you and sometimes a poem or something someone has said can do the same thing I like to think that if we think about what's happening there is that means that thing is for us and we're of a similar tone and if we spend all of our life mimicking or replicating what we were conditioned to do say behave or act as from our family and from our community then we never get the exquisite resonance of what we were meant to bring to the picture. So, and sometimes it can be why we actually don't feel like we fit our life or we're not very happy or where are we arguing with our life or railing against our life or striving for goals and things and achievements that never quite 
Phyllis or fill us up. Yeah. I often think that that's a bit of a symptom that we're not resonating. We're not, not everybody is for us. Not every group of friends um, is meant to stay the same. We've changed and grown and evolved. And I I just feel like that that needs to be that willingness to adapt and accept change. And and I often think the five to seven people that you spend the bulk of your time with will reflect they are your environment. So you need to be very discerning of where you spend most of your time and who you spend it with because they are, they basically create your reality. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that. Like, I guess, like, mm. you know, we don't have to have a goal to be fulfilled. Like, it's not a goal, like, per se. Like, a life, like, I think maybe our thing is to find, like, something in our lifestyle. Like, what is a lifestyle that we want? What mm. will give us that meaning in our, in our, like, in our life and not a set goal like a thing mm. or a career. And for some people or... that, yeah. And I think it's like different learning styles is some people are more auditory and some people are more tactile. So for some people, the doing and having a job that, that they can see an outcome for at the end of the day that they've produced something or made something, that can give their day meaning. Mm. And then there will be others that... Um, like I love the conversation with you. I'm like you. I like meaningful, deep connections through dialogue with another human being. So I'm more of a harmonizer and a communicator. Um, so people have different things and different goals and tasks of what they would like to be doing with their days. Uh, and I think that looks different for everybody. It can be more doing for some people and more being for other people. Yeah, great, great point that you put there. I guess like like you know when you like look at it um, in a bigger kind of picture, it's like I don't you know we're not made to come on the planet to work five days a week and you know five day weeks, <laughs> and like that's not what we're yeah. made. five days have two days rest for yourself. Five days like it's not you know. Like because we're we're made and we function in that way, we don't see the simplicity in like what is our true mm. like not calling, but true can't think of the word right now. I guess true not desire but sense of being. Our true sense of being yes. within something. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that that's some of the tragic gift of our intellectual brain is is at the end of the day, we are an animal, but we're a highly intelligent and developed animal. But the more our cognitive reasoning and our brilliant minds have taken us into this faster world and technology, and we're a long, long, long way from how we evolved to actually live organically and naturally. So if we compare ourselves to Indigenous culture, um, have we really evolved? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's another whole discussion. And that's very personal, you know, like me yeah. personally. I don't I'm not haven't got rose-colored glasses on and I know that there's incredible adversity and difficulty in to go back to an indigenous way of living, but equally when I've traveled to different cultures where um they are living much more traditionally uh and in connection with nature. Uh it, it, you look at um, I think it's Bhutan where they don't measure gross domestic product they measure gross domestic happiness Mm. and so they've got incredibly difficult lifestyles and harshness harsh environment and um you know poverty and everything else but they're really really happy i can remember there was a group of tibetan nuns that they 
on a cultural exchange from the Buddhist monastery. They took them through an American nursing home and these nuns wept. They couldn't believe that we did that with our old people. They, they just they cried. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, that says an awful lot, doesn't it? <laughs> and it I does. Just, yes, and I think there's a lot of um, evolution and adaptation that we've made that I don't personally believe has actually really done us that much in the way of giving us a connected, happy life. I, I, I prefer quality over quantity myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You made some yeah. great points there. Like yeah. it just made me think like there are so many more other conversations that we can be having right now, like all these different topics that have just come from this. Um, yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah. roles and meaning. Yeah, everything, yeah. So it was very interesting hearing these different responses and adding to the conversation. We hear different, yeah. you know, responses and not to say that's to do with like being intellectual but a matter of we all have like different experiences and thinking. The more perspective we yeah. gain, the clearer picture we can develop. I'm very much looking Absolutely. forward to next week's cafe. And also, um, listeners, you'll be hearing Leanne and our podcast next Tuesday. But before we go, I want to thank you, Leanne, for joining the cafe discussion. Oh, thank you for the conversation. <laughs> yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you for listening right. to Get to Know You Cafe. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrow. Be sure to listen to Tuesday's podcast and send in your responses for us to include next Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on that, this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe.